Bounces away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson, and my co-hosts tonight are Chris Waring and Kieran Gibson. A few of us are a little bit under the weather, so we do apologize in advance if we do have any sort of coughs that ring through, Kieran. Uh, yeah, a mixed week, I suppose, being a little bit under the weather, but also having a Queensland win and the Cowboys winning as well. So uh, how's things going for you? Yeah, pretty good. For those who have listened to the pod before, probably none of you care, but I've gone to a new physio and uh, I'm hopefully going to get back out running, which is a big passion of mine. So I'm pretty happy about that. Um, and yeah, the Cowboys and Queensland won. So that was awesome. Great to see. Uh, looks like the Cowboys could finish top four. I don't want to crow, but very happy with how things have been going the last week. So we've, we've ditched the physios at Hawthorne on Riding Road, have we? We have, yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, a bit of controversy. Um, <laughs> I actually haven't, I didn't even tell them. I just had my last session there and, and went to a new one. Oh, dear. Um, dear me. Well, hopefully they're not, uh, you know, friends of the podcast listening in after their glowing endorsement in 2021 <laughs> from Kira. I've got them all on Strava, so they're going to see my runs. So I better not say anything about my new physio on there. Um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> All right, very, very good. Uh, I'm glad to hear you're almost back to uh, running health. Chris, uh, you are a lot better health than both of us. How are you going at the moment? Good, mate. Health-wise, fine. Rugby league, saw a New South Wales loss. West Tigers coach fired. West Tigers got hemmed. So just a standard <laughs> week for myself as a rugby league fan. <laughs> <laughs> and Luciano Lelua has also left the club. So, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, a few things going on uh, for your West Tigers. But... I think what I want to do is I've got a funny feeling that your wild card will be an excellent one, Chris. So I think I might take the first hit up when it comes to the wild card awards this week. Mine is the Yeah, the Girls Award, which goes to the four NRLW teams joining the competition next year, including the Raiders, Sharks, Tigers and Cowboys, which is just fantastic news. I I hope they're not growing the game too quickly, but having 10 teams, uh, you know, that should make it. Uh, a fuller season you see more players getting an opportunity which would be great I do wonder if the North Queensland team will adopt a different name though I think the Cowboys could be a weird kind of name uh, they're called the Gold Stars in the Queensland competition so they might be called that but we'll we'll see how that one goes uh, Kieran what's your wildcard award this week? Um, mine's a, a wildcard award for the wildcard teams this season um, I've just got to make a bit of a comment on the unpredictability of the competition this year and how much I've enjoyed it. Um, From the resurgence of the Cowboys, the Broncos, um, to the Raiders looking gone and now back in the hunt, and the Sharks looking red hot at the the beginning of the season to to their mid-season slump now. Um, I just, yeah, I've loved the snakes and ladders style of the NRL rather than the the typical powerhouse dominance that you see in competitions like the EPL. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, long may it last. Indeed, uh, although there are some uh, some teams that seem to hover near the bottom quite regularly. So, Chris, what is your wildcard award this week? Yeah, I'd love to be a part of that feeling one day, but anyway, all good. <laughs> um, so, so, speaking of, I um, alluded to it earlier, my wildcard, it's not the most eloquent name, but it's expressed how I feel, is the Get Fucked Paul Crawley and Paul Ken Award for <laughs> disgraceful, disgraceful coverage of the West Tigers. So, I've got a few points here. And I'm very interested to hear um, Bo, your opinion, and Kieran yourself, because obviously I'm pretty sure I'm not coming from a place of bias, but um, I would like to hear your thoughts as well. So 
I think the coverage of the West Tigers at the start of the year was pretty disgraceful, as as we spoke about it before at the Friendly's point as well. I guess this is a continuation of you know the media, regular media is is fucking abysmal, especially news news corp outlets. They tend to have you know the the feast for uh, coaches, and I think West Tigers. And again, uh, obviously the Tigers are a bad team. I, I'm more aware of that than anyone else, and they deserve criticism. But it's different when you actively try to keep teams down rather than criticize them for them to get better, which is I think what happens with the Tigers. Mm-hmm. So something that's happened this week. And if you look at 360 and Paul Crawley articles for the three people that read them or Paul Kent, <laughs> I think that, and this is, I phrased it this way in the group chat and I wrote it down because I thought it was re- uh, relatively well put. I said, at any point, are the fucking moron talking heads going to mention that? Firstly, Madge, and look, I, got, I, I like Madge personally, but it didn't work out in the West Tigers. And it, and it was the right decision to let him go. Mm-hmm. He had nearly four years of failing results. Right, he wasn't there for you know uh, a week. He wasn't there for a year. He was he's been there for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Or the coach before, okay. And the whole the whole spiel is that like, oh, they just fired these young coaches. Okay, Madge is an old coach, he's an experienced coach. Mm-hmm. Before that, Ivan Cleary quit the club, and I'm not being a salty West Tigers fan. I'm just acknowledging history. Mm-hmm. Right, he quit the club, and as far as last time I checked, his career is going pretty well. Mm-hmm. And the idea and Paul Crawley's whole sphere was that uh, West Tigers just destroy, quote, young coaches' careers. And I think that, okay, firstly, Madge is not a young coach. Ivan Clear is still coaching and he quit. Before that, the first coach that he's referencing here is Tim Sheens. Tim Sheens <laughs> won a premiership at the West Tigers. He's coached, you know, nearly, uh, I don't know exactly, but what, top five most first grade games in Australian and NRL history. Mm hmm. And he won a premiership at the club. So the two he's referring to, that could be referred to as young at the time, Mick Potter and Jason Taylor. And I, I can see the, you know, those weren't great years. But this is this is so long ago mm-hmm. to be putting down the club now in the year 2022. And I think it's a almost concerted effort that it gets clicks, right? And therefore, it's easy to bash the, it's, and this goes for the Bulldogs as well. It's easy to bash the West Tigers and the Bulldogs specifically because they're Sydney-based clubs. They have high fan bases, and therefore it's a concerted effort to keep them down because it gets the stories. The last point I'll make is, and it's just endless, and all the NRL media shits on the Tigers, Bulldogs, Knights, and Warriors to lesser extents, but that's because they're non Sydney. Mm-hmm. Raiders, and as we spoke about before, Raiders, during their struggles, they get a free ride. We all know Ride, they get a free ride. The media, you know, idolize Penrith and the Storm. Teams trying to get better, such as the Tigers, they get laughed out of the room because it sells clicks for this sports, mostly completely, well, not mostly, partly idiotic fan base that, that buy into this shit. Mm-hmm. And then journalists like Paul Crawley and Paul Kent, specifically, I think, are viruses for the game. And I just want to make a point. Um, this includes Phil Good. Because Phil Good likes to think he's not media, but Phil Good comments, as I said, he seems to think he's not media despite being part of it for the best part of 30 years. Mm-hmm. About the quote player fallout that from Madge sacking. If this if this was the NBA, he would be severely fined for tampering at another club for trying to like you know put, push players out that he's obviously would like at the Bulldogs. And I I thought that was bullshit when he himself, I think rightly complains about some of the news corp shit, but then he actively puts himself in the space like that as well. And again, last one I think is that I don't think any other club is criticised for decisions so long ago other than the West Tigers when it has nothing to do with the present. 
I think I think you raised some really good points there, Chris, and I can tell it's, it's something you're very passionate about. I I would suggest that the storm also cop a lot of heat about decisions from the past. You know, like the Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Greg Inglis era, where they had those pen races taken off them. Um, but apart from that, in terms of teams that are really really struggling down the doldrums, and yeah, it does, it does feel like a very concerted effort. Like, it must hurt. Uh, particularly acutely for you being in the Sydney media, you know, you go, like we're not up up in Queensland. Kieran and I, we're not reading columns from guys like Kent, Rothfield, Crawley. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not seeing those names. We're seeing Bedell, uh, Craddock, uh, Dobbins. You know, other people like that. So, so it's a it's a bit different for us up here to comment about what the Tigers are experiencing in the Sydney media. Um, but I will say this. It's only funny or it's only fun or it's only meaningful if you want to criticize, but you're kind of like punching up. Like it's kind of okay to criticize and make fun of the Panthers at the moment because they're probably just going to roll everybody and win the premiership anyway. So like punching up to the Panthers is not that big a deal. Punching down to a team that hasn't been there for a decade. It, it feels like, it feels like laughing at the fat person running. You know, the person that's gone out, they bought their Fitbit, they've, they've got their, their training pants, they're out there, they're trying to improve their health, they're going for a run or a walk, and you're driving past in your car and you're yelling at them, making fun of them. That's shitty behavior because that person's trying to make themselves better. Now, the Tigers are well within their rights, I think, to have an optimistic play at the, the new hot coach, Cameron Seraldo. It's a bold play to offer in five years that's been reported around here. I think it's not a bad move. I think it's a, it's an intent of, hey, this is the best guy available and we want to be a successful team. So we're going to go after the best guy available with the most attractive offer available in terms of job security. I think that's a win. Anyone that sits there and, and talks against that is laughing at the fat person running as far as I'm concerned. Kieran, do you have any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think um, the reason that they're punching down on the Tigers or, or kind of... Um, bearing down on them, uh, putting them in the corner and saying you're no good is because they expect better of them, but they're not doing anything constructive. I mean, it's not their role to to help the Tigers get back, but um, you would think that you wouldn't just sort of berate a team. Uh, If you want better for them, you would probably, uh, on a a show where you're supposed to give ideas, you would suggest ideas for how they can get better, be better, or or what they they are doing right at the moment. uh, and, the, and the thing with Gus that um, Chris said, um, it's kind of funny, the irony of it, because of um, Gus's role is to go around to clubs and make them better, and then he's kind of shitting on the on the Tigers, um, for lack of a better expression. Um, but yeah, as you said, we're, we're, in, we're in Queensland. We, we don't um, read too much about, about those journalists, so I can't comment on it too much, but I, I know when the Cowboys had those few lean years being in Brisbane, I, I can recall quite a few articles being written about the the Cowboys and how poor we were going. Maybe it was on more so on Facebook and my memory is a bit fuzzy at the moment, but uh, yeah, it's pretty like you do get invested in it and you do kind of think like, what well, what is the point in, in uh, spreading false uh, information? Like this literally, as you said, it should be meaningful that the information that you're spreading, not, not just, I don't know, whatever you want to say to uh, make, I don't know. I don't even know why people do it. But yeah. I will just jump in again, 
because like Chris, you mentioned that there's other teams that do cop a little bit of vitriol, but like in, in the case of the Cowboys, if you're up in Townsville and the Townsville media is going off at the Cowboys being shit, like all of the fan base are all hurting the same because everyone in Townsville goes to the Cowboys. It's the same in Brisbane. If the Brisbane Broncos are going shit, everyone's hurting, you know, because they're all Broncos fans. Probably the same in Newcastle, similar in New Zealand. They probably don't care because they're watching rugby union anyway. But in in Sydney, it's you know Tigers and Bulldogs are going shit at the moment. So you know all the Panthers fans, all the Eels fans, all the Roosters fans, all the Rabbitohs fans, all the Sharks fans. You know they're all just jumping in. Manly fans, you know they're all just jumping in on this bandwagon of hate, uh, which which must hurt a little bit, I would imagine, Chris. And it probably makes those wins against the Rabbitohs and the and the eels a bit sweeter um but yeah they're, they're few and far between I'm, I'm afraid well yeah that's and to link with kieran's point before you know about snakes and ladders and that that's what a good competition should represent and i'm not saying that you know the tigers do as you guys well know like the i, do, I criticize the tigers and the tigers deserve criticism but what they don't deserve is you know and the whole thing is linked to the tigers targeting Cameron serato which is obviously a really promising young coach and then he's getting spoken down but as again like this false lie about the tigers kill young coach's career which i broke down before it's just not true mm-hmm. and then and again like the, the all the tigers are doing and as as are the bulldogs are trying to improve and they are actively put down against because this state's media like to reinforce that like you know uh, the whole competition we should just laugh at the tigers and the bulldogs and that's what the competition should be and it's just and again it's it should be about snakes and ladders. Every team should have their, you know, a chance. I'm not saying they should, but they should have the chance to have their time in the sun. Tigers have every right to go up to Cameron Serrato, and it wouldn't, it's not that bad of a coaching gig. Neither is the Bulldogs. And as, and again, what, we should just go through a cycle of fucking Trent Barrett and Nathan Brown, and those should be our club's coaches, and that's it. it anyway, it's just, yeah. Although, it, it, with the Army Kickout saying that he was following Trent Barrett to the Bulldogs, would you entertain the idea of having Trent Barrett at the Tigers so he could get the Army Kickout? Fucking <laughs> another chance. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like for a big game and a big game. Uh, Chris, thanks very much for those thoughts because I know that uh, that has been a bee in your bonnet for a little bit uh, and I can, I can really sense the passion. And being a passionate Cowboys fan, I can... You know, I can relate that we've had a couple of lean years. Um, and also, I was a fan back in the 90s and early 2000s, so I remember those days too. Um, there's plenty of downtimes for a team, but I've been lucky in recent years. We've had some good years too, and I, I hope that the Tigers can turn it around. And I think aiming for the best players and the best coaches is a good way to do it. Oh, what a tackle! Oh, it's a penalty! It's above the horizontal. Let's jump into some state of origin, which is probably another unhappy topic for you, Chris. But I do want to... Obviously, the, the Queensland Maroons won 16-10. to 10. Uh, Chris, you and I were there. Uh, we were more or less in line, actually, with um, with Isaiah Year as he was attempting to score that last try. It was very, very close. Uh, and Kieran, you're watching the game from home, so we're going to have some different perspectives on this game, I think, depending on what we saw live. Um, but I do want to start with a little bit of positivity. So, uh, Kieran, uh, how are you feeling about that game? Because, you know, like, there's a lot of people that are crowing about this being Queensland fans, but we really only won by six points. Um, mm-hmm. So, are you are you feeling quite, you know, confident heading into game two or, or are you kind of wary of a, of a fight back from New South Wales? 
Uh, very much wary of a, a New South Wales fight back. Um, I think if we can put together that, that first 15 to 20 minutes of our second half for uh, 60, 80 minutes, I'm very confident that we can go on and win the series. But um, yeah, we were, especially those last um, probably 15, 20 minutes of that second half, we were defending a lot of the time. I know New South Wales had to defend a lot. Um, and they were, I thought they were quite resolute in defense. Um, mm. But yeah, for, for Queensland, we didn't quite have that killer touch. Um, as you said, I'm just dovetailing exactly off what you said with the game at 16-4. Um, we were well on top, um, 25 minutes to go. And we created quite a few try-scoring opportunities, got into good field position, but we just weren't able to seal the game. Uh, there was a moment where Cotter got through. It was a, a, a tough pass for him to get it to Munster, and I don't think he even saw Munster there. Um, but that could have been a try. Munster went through the line, could have been a try. I think Ben Hunt broke the line, could have been a try. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a little concerned about our uh, killer execution. Kind of really need that in Origin. You need to take your chances. And then I thought our defense early on looked very shaky, uh, particularly for Whiten's try. I thought that was a really, really soft try for Origin. I was, to be honest, when Whiten went over, I thought New South Wales were going to go on with this because I thought our, our goal line defense looked all over the shop. Um, it looked like we weren't communicating at all. Players were shooting out of the line. Monster was a big culprit of that. Um, mm. So I think that that needs to be worked on for, for the next game. Um, yeah. So uh, you guys would have heard the episode that I did with Friendy before State of Origin last week, and he was talking about how New South Wales would be peppering that left side attack, or sorry, the right side of Queensland's defence, because, you know, Kafusi, Cherry Evans, Gagai, and then... Cobo on debut, there's, you know, there's some opportunities there. And when White went over, I was like you, Kieran, I was a little bit worried. Chris, I'll, I'll just switch to you here on this one. Obviously, you know, on the wrong side of the school line on this occasion, is it doom and gloom panic stations for you as a Blues fan? Or are you, or are you feeling like maybe a similar team, a, a similar 17 could, you know, do much better in Perth? Uh, I wouldn't say it's all doom and gloom, but I wouldn't say I'm confident either. As you said, the score was, was still only was only six points um, in the end. Again, the first half, we were, I thought, really good. I think there are some trouble in the forward pack. I thought the back five were really good. I was really happy. Obviously, really, Jack White had a blinder. Mm. And like you mentioned, uh, I think that was insightful about uh, Queensland's right edge. I think DCE's usually any a defensive target. In any game, I think I was actually really surprised by Whiten's ability to um, get one over Gago. Yeah, I think the forward, I think the forward pack were just revealed to be a bit slow. I think um, Cotter had a really great game. Carrigan when he came on, I thought interchange um, Ben Hunt and Harry Grant was really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and made me think that um, obviously the the kind of went with the seasoned player in Tarek Sims. Um, but yeah, I thought New Wales was just found to be a bit slow, to be honest. I'm a bit worried for game two, especially considering the um, selection implications with the Pacific Test um, selections today. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say it's a disaster, but I'll, I'm not confident. I'll say that. So my understanding uh, with the Pacific selections that you're referring to is because uh, Tupo and Staggs have both been named by Tonga, as well as uh, Olokuatu and a bunch of other people. Uh, my understanding is that the Tongan coach selected them um, just so that if New South Wales doesn't select them, well, they still have a game. They're still going to play. They're still going to, you know, and get some World Cup practice for later in the year. And then if they are selected by New South Wales, well, then they have a choice 
Tupo's already indicated he'll play for New South Wales. Olakwatu's already indicated he'll play for Tonga. Stags, I'm not even sure if he'll make New South Wales. Um, you know, it's a, a bit of an arming and arming about that. So that's that's the situation there. I, I wouldn't read too much into the fact that Tupo has been named for Tonga at this stage. Chris, you know, you guys scored uh, 10 points, a couple of tries. Queensland scored three tries. One of them was an absolute aberration out of, like, a scrum base, like, just stepped through and it was over. So, like, apart from that, you know, it was a very even game in a lot of ways. What do you think went right for New South Wales? I think um, the anxiety around Tyrese, and I don't think that's really a cause for concern, to be honest. Um, he's more than capable. And even even you're giving away some, um, you know, hard advantage, he just does so much out of, um, you know, our own 30, 40, that he's just worth carrying. And I, I thought he was probably second best on ground with Whiten. I think um, Jack Whiten's great game eases some anxiety there and, and really, um, like we mentioned, exposed that Queensland right edge. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaiah Yeo got the, you know, he probably should have went off with the head knock. And I think it was obvious that he was off his game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think Cleary will have that bad a kicking game again, I'm pretty sure. It's just that we need to kind of fix that um, middle defense a bit, maybe a bit, um, maybe like one or two more fresh legs in the middle might help. But yeah, again, I think um, I think there were just I don't think it was devastating signs. I just say there were a couple of you know circumstances like um, Isaiah Yo, Nathan Cleary won't really be that quiet again. But that's obviously contingent on the forward pack mussing up a bit. And I thought the back five were excellent. So yeah, it's, it's only small adjustments, but um, yeah, I, th- I think they would be an interesting game too. And, and Kieran, same question to you. What do you think went right for Queensland? What what got them over the line? Uh, it's easy to say in hindsight now, but I, I think for starters, the squad that Billy Slater selected, I thought he got it spot on. I thought he got it spot on before the game was pick, or um, was played, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. Um, and then, yeah, every debutant um, looked unfazed, I thought. I thought they were, especially Cobo, I thought he looked so calm. Um Caught the ball from a Palmer pass that hit the ground first, picked it up pretty much off his bootlaces, and then puts in a grubber. Mm-hmm. After he could have could have gone out easily, like everything about that bit of play, he just made it look like the easiest thing. Um, and then I, I thought I really wanted to touch on Slater's use of the interchange bench. I thought he did it brilliantly. I I said pregame I would have probably started Carrigan over Papali, um, but I think the fact that Papali started and didn't play too long, I actually kind of liked it because I don't think Papali's been in the best form. That was the reason I wanted Kerrigan to start, but then Kerrigan came on when the the middle forwards were starting to get um, a little bit tired, and Kerrigan, Collins, and Grant all wrestled the ascendancy towards Queensland after what I thought was a, a fairly evening opening period. Um, yeah, I thought we also. Ex- I know. I th- I think Toto was brilliant. I th- I think he was definitely um, the Blues' second best on ground as well behind Whiten. But I thought we really exploited the the Blues defenders high up in the line on multiple occasions with our kicking game. Mm-hmm. Um, we really really turned them around and found the grass um, quite a few times. When I think if I watch the game back, I honestly think there was three, maybe four cha- um, times where we nearly kicked a forty twenty. We didn't get a single one, but we were very close on multiple occasions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought that that was a very good um, tactic of ours, which we've used multiple times in the past recently as well. So I was a little surprised Blues weren't more awake to that. I'd like to touch though just quietly on, I was a little shocked by Brandy when he said, um, when Yo went down and had that head knock, um, if throughout their whole game plan, and he thinks that that was a big reason they lost. I was a bit shocked to hear that mm. and that they didn't have more of a plan B. I was really surprised to hear that. Like, 
obviously Yo is a big, big piece of their play. Um, links the halves, um, goes deep into the into the line, which uh, can attract more players, give you more space out wide, um, make more uh, when you uh, throw a bit more shape out wide, it can make the reads a bit more confusing for the outside backs. But yeah, I was very shocked to hear that. Obviously, a, a pivotal player with their plan, but I thought they would have had a bit more of a plan B, and I think they need to next time if if someone like Yo does go down again. Well, especially with Cameron Murray, let's be honest, probably the second best lock in the game right there on the bench. You know, like if things aren't working out with Isaiah, well, you just, you know, okay, plan B is the next best thing. Um, that, yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you mentioned Carrigan's impressive game. I, I do want to touch on the on the debutants as well. I didn't write this in the, in, the, in the list, but I'm sure you guys can work it out. Before I do that, I just want to mention, I don't often want to uh, give shout outs to any new, News Corp people, particularly, uh, you know, Auckland Blues legend Benji Marshall. But on his show, Benji, on I think it was Monday night. It might have been last night. He uh, he had this segment where Pat Carrigan is mic'd up for the Broncos versus Raiders game, and my word, he is he is an impressive player. He is like the the amount of chat. I mean, like he talks like an idiot sometimes. Like when he's sitting there, be like, "Gotcha, bra, come on, bra, come with me, bra, come on, bra." But like apart from that, um, <laughs> apart from that, it's like it's like friendly when he's had a few beers. Um, but it, it's it's really fascinating. It goes for about five minutes. Um, and it goes from like basically the, the start of the game to like after the game. Uh, very impressive human. I really recommend checking out on Fox League if you can get hold of that Benji episode, the most recent one. Uh, it's really interesting to watch. Let's talk about the guys that were on debut. Chris, New South Wales had, I think, two people on debut, both from the bench, uh, Stephen Crichton and Ryan Madison. Oh, the story, and Katoni Staggs, rather, in the starting side. So that's three people on debut. How do you feel the debutants went for New South Wales? Uh, yeah, I thought um, Katoni Staggs, um, some of the fears, I thought, came a little true. I don't think he handed himself the best defensively. I, I don't think he had a, an awful game or anything, but I think um, the moment and, you know, the... Um, maybe got a little bit of the best of him, but I wouldn't say it was an awful debut. Um, Stephen Crichton did not have a good game. I don't think it was his fault that he didn't have a good game. I just think we all thought it was a ridiculous selection and it turned out to be one. It, you know, he got, you know, forced in right at the end. Has no, you know, game pace. I, I would doubt he's ever played off the bench, maybe barring like some of the first games. It's just a ridiculous selection, mm. putting a really hard scenario. And obviously the moments he had um, weren't great. I'm pretty sure he had, uh, he got the ball stripped from him late. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Ryan Madison was kind of, I don't, didn't really say much of him. He was pretty quiet. I don't think he got the biggest amount of game time, but yeah, um, from all three of them, I wouldn't say anything massively. They were either utilized, you know, in a obviously wrong way, or they just had real, real quiet, quiet to bad games. Yeah, I was surprised. Like I was sitting there watching it with you, and I remember looking over to you guys and saying, has Ryan Madison even been on the field yet? Um, but by that point, uh, I went back and looked at the stats. He'd been on the field for almost half an hour when I said that. Uh, he just just uh, didn't do anything obvious, you know. He just sort of just blended into the middle there somewhere. But uh, you're right. He didn't, yeah, really stamp his um, uh, authority on the game at all. bit different for Queensland's debutants, though. Uh, Kieran, you've already mentioned a couple of them. Pat Carrigan coming off the bench, super impressive. One of the best on ground. 
Ruben Cotter played the full 80, including a bit of a stint in the on the edge, on the right edge, uh, filling in for Jeremiah Nanai, who had a bit of a truncated time because he hurt his ankle. And then he came back somehow after being like carried off. And then Cobbo had, had those impressive touches, but he also was very strong out of the backfield, I think, Selvin Cobbo. So... Yeah, Queensland, um, you know, therefore probably a lot more impactful than New South Wales' three, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, just to touch on Nanai again, I think the main concern for him coming into this game, I think, well, at least I know I had a few mates that wanted Jai Arrow in there instead. Uh, and that was mainly based around Nanai's defence. But um, I think the reason he got picked is because his defence has been phenomenal the last few weeks. And I, he showed it, showed it again in Origin, I thought. I don't know if he missed any tackles, but uh, I thought he was really strong, made some really good uh, dumping tackles. Um, and yeah, uh, Ryan Madison, um, the only moment I can recall from him is when Munster made that ridiculous break and uh, fended um, off a Blues player who, sure enough, was Madison to uh, nearly put Ponga over, but he was uh, heavily marked. You're right, though. He, he did fend Ryan Madison twice in that one play, I think you'll find. Um, that's just that's how, uh, how good Ryan was on that occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, what, what what do New South Wales need to change? You've already talked about the slowness of their of their forward pack. Would you make some personnel changes? Yeah, I think Tarek Sims needs to go. His defence, I, I think. Yeah, I remember looking at the stats. I'm pretty sure he missed about six tackles. I think, which I, it's not good enough for Origin, especially when that's part of the reason for your selection is a bit of um, defensive IQ maturity um, on the edge. Uh, I would say Kalamatangi. I'm not 100 percent with his um, Pacific Island selection though. Um, maybe even Frizzell, but if if he, I, I think he has a bit more pace um, mm. on the edge. Um, I think they just need to ensure up. Maybe uh, as, I'm glad Miles isn't here, but um, Junior Paolo might need to be um, off the team. I actually wouldn't mind Jacob Saifidi, just a bit of a you know a, a younger, a uh, bit of a younger prop. Again, I think I think they just need a bit of fresh legs, just in a bit of like putting out spot fires. I think, but. I wouldn't, yeah, I would also get rid of Crichton off the bench. That just makes next to no sense. Unless Staggs is out, I'd probably go with Crichton at centre then. Or Campbell Graham. I'm still going to throw that out there, even though I don't think it's a chance. But, uh, yeah, maybe Hines to 14. I think, I think Pappenhausen uh, was, had COVID today, so I think he'll be out. Um, yeah, so probably at three changes, I think. I think Sims definitely needs to go. Mm-hmm. Crichton definitely needs to get off the bench and um, possibly... Um, Paolo as well. That's interesting. So Miles will be cheering, hearing that he, that Paolo's out of your uh, out of your favour. I'm not entirely sure that Jacob Siafidi is the answer, though. I, I I don't really know who is. That's that's kind of it's weird to think that Queensland might actually have some better depth in front row forwards at the moment. We, we normally don't. Yeah. Um, it's a bit a bit well, of a look strange at, um, place. You look at, and that's the thing that I think is going to determine the series. I think that the difference in the two in the two benches between the two teams, Queensland's is just it's it's so much better than New South Wales. And even the options you're looking at them, you're like, how are we going to? You know, we can't again with um, Collins, Carrigan, uh, Nenai, and Green off the bench. And, you know, it's just I don't think there's a way that New South Wales can counter that. Yeah, and, and Queensland didn't even use, you know, like Mo Fodawaka, um, Jai Arrow, like you mentioned, Kieran. So there's, there's, a, there's a number of people that they could slot into those places. Um, of course, Colin Hess, one of the greats. Shane Tronk would probably still do a job if you asked him, um, I think, but not sure. Queensland, Kieran... Yeah, Bramble. 
Jake Granville. Yeah, throw him in. Fuck it. Kieran, do you think Queensland needs to make any changes? Well, other than the the obvious obvious one with Copes, um, no, no, I don't. Um, and for Copes, I I would not go Talongi. Um, great player has a a lot of freakish plays in his um, artillery, whatever the expression is. Um, but yeah, I, I just wouldn't go him. I think he's a bit too lackadaisical at times. Um, sometimes it works brilliantly, and he kind of I don't know if it confuses the defenders just how relaxed he looks, and they're just like not sure what he's going to do. And he does something ridiculous, pulls it out of his ass. But, um, yeah, sometimes it, it doesn't pull off. I, I can recall, I thought, I can't remember um, what game it was this year, but he, he was a bit too too relaxed. And uh, he got, yeah, I think he stepped on the sideline or something, and it was an easy just walk over the line try. Um, with, with A defender, sure enough, was sprinting towards him. But, um, yeah, just plays like that kind of make me think, yeah, I don't know, you need to be a bit more switched on when it comes to Origin, and I'm sure he would be a bit more switched on in Origin, but I think because of that, uh, it makes me just, yeah, probably go for a bit more of a safer option who's not going to do something like that, and I, I, I would honestly go Hamiso at centre and push um, Holmes to the wing. Which is how they played in Origin 3 last year for a victory. Uh, Hamaso played really, really well in the centres. Uh, and you're, yeah, Talongi does have an error in his game. Uh, he also has the ability to throw a ridiculous pass while being manhandled a metre over the touchline, you know, for a try for Scott Drinkwater. <laughs> I guess the poor old Tigers, unfortunately, for Chris. Um, I... Good memories. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Um, I... I think they're going to go with Taolangi. Um, I personally, I'd probably back you in. I'd probably go with Hamaso, but I think they'll go with Taolangi. Chris, would you be tempted to go with Josh Adokar considering the form that he's displayed in the last couple of weeks as a bit of a fuck you to the New South Wales selectors? Yeah, I like it. It's the kind of you know, it's the comeback that you want. Didn't didn't you know? Didn't blow up. You didn't hear any you know sulking about it, and then yeah, two performances. I think he, I think he should be back there. I mean, he's just a he's just a proven origin performer which i think you know you need that and i think they actually lacked a bit of you know steel and resolve even passion to an extent and you know adokar has that in you know he's he's full of that so i think it was pretty ridiculous from freddie to leave him out i think he should be back um in there and now it's time for fin- gee i hate this word phenomenon phenomenal 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 trivia and this week, the host is Chris Waring. Chris, it's all yours. Uh, it's a phenomenal um, privilege to be hosting Phenomenal Trivia. <laughs> all right, so we'll get into it real quick. So it's going to be three questions. I'll test Buzz's first. Kieran, I'll go. I'll test yours first. Nate. All right. <laughs> Jeez, Nate. Uh, Bo. Bo. <laughs> Uh, thanks, mate, for getting back to me. It's yeah, on Facebook. All right. All right. So, question one. So, I've gotten a little bit more complex questions from usual. So, there's a three of them. So, what this is going to be is, so I'll read the question first, and I'll say, and then you'll get there. You'll go from there, and obviously you buzz in first. So, question one: for highest average tackles made per game this year. Yeah, and on an individual basis, in the top 15, there are three teams represented with two players each. So what I need to hear, the two players, so there's three sets of the two players and which team they are. And then I'll allocate points for whoever gets the most. Whew. Okay, so highest average tackles. Bo, I'm yep. going to go with 
Reed Marnie and Isaiah Papali'i for the Eels. Right, so we need three of them. So have us have us have about three, um, three. So three teams with two players from each team. Okay. Shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. I'll also go with the uh, shit. Seagulls, Jake Trevojevic and Lachlan Croker, and uh, uh, Newcastle, Bartlett, and Frizzell. All right, Kieran, so same for you. Have a crack at three teams, two players from each team. Each team. Uh, Cowboys, Reese Robson and Ruben Cotter, Rabbitohs, Damian Cook and Cameron Murray, and. Those are good picks. Uh, <laughs> um, it's going to go Sharks, but I don't think the player I was going to name has played enough. Um, kind of dry suit. <laughs> it, it, it's per game, though. It's average per game. Oh, true. Um, Sharks, Dale Finucane, and Blake, Blake Braley. Uh, all right. So, Kieran will get the point. He got two out of three, though so you got zip three. So, <laughs> Kieran... Kieran nailed it with the first two, Cook and Murray. Uh, they're the highest ranking, so they're, they're both in the – Cook and Murray are both in the top 15, so South is represented twice. Uh, Reese Robson uh, could have been West Tigers legend, but he's not. And Ruben Cotter, Cowboys, they're both in the top 15, representing the Cowboys. The third one, and this probably makes a bit of sense because they've been doing a lot of tackling all year, Wade Egan and Josh Curran from the Warriors. Ah, yeah, good call, good call. All right, good question. Okay, so all Kieran, right. one up. Then. All right. So Kieran's one zip. All right, all right. So this is a this is a team focus question. Um, so similar thing. So well, I'm going to need you to list five teams. So first one in. So what five teams are top in handling errors this season? To give you a hint, they've all had some discussion and conjecture around their halves pairing. So he lists five teams that have Mate. the highest amount of handling errors. <laughs> yes, Kieran Gibson. <laughs> Just the teams. Yeah, just the yeah, five uh, things. Raiders, Titans, Eels, Bulldogs, and Dragons. All right. All right. I'll have a crack. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll go Raiders, Titans, Tigers, yep. Bulldogs, Rabbitohs. Okay, so you've both got two out of the five. So the five teams are Roosters, Raiders, Rabbitohs, Warriors, and Titans. Ah. There you go. So half point each. So we'll go one each. So Kieran, Kieran two, Bo one. So Bo, you need the last one. I don't have a tiebreaker, but we'll see how we go. Okay. All right. Okay. So this is a classic. Who am I? So buzz in. uh, Same rules, obviously. You buzz in. You lose your. You can't have another stab. Okay. All right. I was born on the twenty fourth of June, nineteen eighty five, in Cairns, Queensland. I had an NRL career spanning 12 seasons, wherein I played for five clubs <laughs> total. I made my debut for Canterbury in 2005 in round one versus St. George Illawarra. I played 234 first grade games total. I represented my country nine times. I never played more than 90 games for any one of my five teams. I played for the PMs uh, 13 three times and NRL All-Stars once. I I captained the Gold Coast Titans. 
I represented my state a whopping 32 times. Okay, uh, Bo. Yeah. <laughs> the irony of this is killing me because your buzz in would have done it, Kieran. Nate Miles. <laughs> yes, it's Nate. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one because, well done, uh, yeah, Bulldog's debut kind of threw me for a bit there. Um, yeah. I'll finish, I'll finish it off like his tradition. So, yeah, so Bo... Uh, buzzed in on the represent my state whopping 32 times. I had a relatively quiet end to my career. I was in the 2013 Rugby League World Cup winning squad. I am a Queensland legend. Cheers, Nate. I am dot, 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 dot. <laughs> 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 All right. All right. I've got, got a question, I reckon. It's not the hardest, but it's, you'll, oh, you'll have to buzz in quickly. Okay. Uh, okay, so we're going to a tiebreaker. It's two, two all, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Two all. All right. So, again, not the hardest question, but first one to buzz in, and then closest to number will win. So, who is the West Tigers leading try scorer this year? Oh, Nate. Yes, Nate. Nate. Uh, yes, Nate. Luma. Wrong. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to work out how much of a meme god you are right now. Yeah. All right. Stafford Tour. No, here and have enough. We'll keep going. We'll keep going until we get it. <laughs> uh, who the Luke f- Brooks? Oh no, Luke Brooks. Who, who, no. who the fuck plays for the Tigers? Um, Jacob Little. No, it's the only bloke scoring tries all year. <laughs> Kieran. It doesn't help. Nofaluma. I thought Nofaluma was scoring tries. He's been a reserve grade. Nofaluma. <laughs> no, not pulling up. Um, oh man, who's the no, one you're, you're Oh, I, I know, I know, I know. It's Ken Mamalo. Yes, Ken Mamalo. <laughs> All right, oh, you are yes. the winner of yes. Trivia. Convincing. I was, <laughs> was going to do the Michael Ennis TikTok moment, but I won't do it in the background. <laughs> yeah, which one? Which one was that? That was like the. Oh. <laughs> 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 was that the sound that he made? <laughs> Bro, yeah. you're, you're the phenomenal trivia winner. Oh, oh. <laughs> Thanks for that, Chris. That was awesome, mate. Uh, a bit of a different format. I like it. Mixing it up. Um, Kieran, you're going to have a, a go next time you're available, I reckon. Um, let's jump on to round 15 predictions, guys. It starts on Thursday night at 7.50 from Wynn Stadium. It's the Dragons and the Rabbitohs. Michaeli Ravalawa returns on the wing for the Dragons while Queensland legend Andrew McCulloch plays his 300th NRL game. No change is expected for the Rabbitohs. Chris, who's going to win this one and why? Uh, I think the Rabbitohs. i got a feeling the Rabbitohs might do a number on St. George here. I know it's McCulloch's 300 game, but I feel like you just get the feeling that uh, Latrell Mitchell, the news about Latrell Mitchell, Yeah, I just get a feeling that Seattle are going to slowly pick up in momentum I think this game could be the first sign of that so I'm going to go South Sydney sorry what's the news about Luttrell oh he's, he's, not, he's not he's not playing but he's he's returning very soon so they, they're like going to build into it yeah okay well yeah I think they'll be buoyed by that and um, yeah I'll go with the bunnies I will also go for those people that sell uh, rabbit carcasses, the Rabbitohs. Uh, the next game is on Friday afternoon at 6 p.m. It is from Four Pines Park. It is the Seagulls and the Cowboys. It's a double blow for the 
Cowboys with Helam Lukey and Tom Gilbert being out. But that is offset by the return of Ruby Cotter and Jeremiah Nanai. The Sea Eagles welcome back DCE. And I'm a Cowboys fan and they're in great form. So I'm going to go for the Cowboys. And I can't really give many other reasons for that. Having Cotter and Tamalolo in that middle just too impressive for me. Kieran, what do you think? This team has been a completely different... It's been said before, but we're a completely different team with Drinkwater at the back. I think he really, really sparks our attack in so many ways. I've got to go to the Cowboys. Yeah, man, I think they fucked themselves. I think the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> were they the ones that just towed up the Tigers on the weekend? They were, weren't they? They were. And yeah. um, disgraceful non 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 Tim Binnings, but all good. We'll move on. <laughs> good idea. Um, I, I will I will have you know, though, and you, you would know this from listening to the last week's episode, I did tip the Tigers. I was with you in solidarity, and it cost me until, of course, the Eels beat the Bulldogs. Uh, a perfect round. Uh, the, the next game on Friday night is the Storm and the Broncos. It's from Amy Park at 7.55. There's still no Ryan Pappenhausen with COVID, as you mentioned earlier, Chris. Uh, while the Broncos will be without Adam Reynolds, Herbie Farnworth, Corey Pakes, and T.C. Rabadi. And frankly, I think the loss of Corey Pakes is too much to bear. So I think the Storm will win. Uh, <laughs> Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I think Jake Turpin's on the bench. So uh, Melbourne Storm for me. <laughs> and Kieran? Yeah, I've got the Storm. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Like, we, we, we laugh now. We all laughed at the Bulldogs as well. <laughs> They've managed to topple the Eels comfortably. The next game on Saturday is... From CX Coffs International Stadium in Coffs Harbour, it's the Sharks and the Titans. For the Sharks, Vanukin is some chance of playing. He's been named amongst the reserves, while AJ Brimson returns from COVID for the Titans at fullback. Kieran, who's going to win and why? Um, I really love the, the way the Sharks are playing at the moment. They're expensive style of play using the full uh, width of the field. Uh, and I back them to tire out a toothless uh, in-defense Titans side, Sharks to win. The Titans have dropped to last on the ladder, haven't they? So it's a it's a bit of a yeah, a bit of a thing. We all we all tip them to be around that eight. Um, Chris, do you give them some hope of winning this one? I don't give them hope of winning, but I, I still I give them hope of it being close. Um, I think the Titans will show something, but I've said that a couple of times and they just haven't. Mm. But I don't know. Did you, you just look at the Titans team? They they're not a sixteenth team, especially with. Um, Kieran's mate Justin Holbrook coaching them but I'll do Cronulla but I, I think it'll be a close one I am also going to Cronulla the next game is from Morton Daly Stadium in Redcliffe it is the Warriors and Panthers for the Warriors Ronald Volkman will make his NRL debut for the Warriors in the halves while Isaiah Yeo will return from his post-origin sabbatical for the Panthers Chris who will win this one and why? Yeah, I like that Bogman's coming out for the Warriors. Um, I think there's some news around Sean Johnson possibly calling it quits, um, if not before the season is ending. I think with the Warriors, um, they need to start looking towards the future, um, trying to you know play some young blokes in order to you know get ready for future seasons. Um, I'll, I'll go Penrith. I too will go Penrith, Kieran. Uh, I think this is the Warriors' last game, um, home game at least, in Australia. Uh, I think they're going back to, to New Zealand, which will be good for them, but I think the Panthers will smash them. Yeah, I think there won't be any much celebration in Redcliffe. So Penrith, for sure. It, interesting to note, you mentioned there that Sean Johnson uh, might be calling it quits soon. The Kiwis are also moving on from him. He was not named in their squad. 
of their 25 player squad. They had Dylan Brown, they had Jerome Hughes, they had Kieran Foran. And as far as they were concerned, that was enough halves. So they did not name Sean Johnson. Very interesting. The next game on Saturday night, the last game on Saturday night, is from Combank Stadium. It is the Eels and Roosters. The Eels are unchanged despite being absolutely towelled by the Bulldogs. And for the Roosters, uh, Luke Keary has been named at halfback despite grave doubts over his fitness after another concussion. So interesting to see what happens there. Um, I... I just like the Roosters more than the Eels. So I'm going to go for the Roosters. Um, I, I think that in the long run, come closer to September, I think the Roosters will be hotter than the Eels. So I think that starts maybe this week, hopefully. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Uh, if I'm not wrong, I think mamaroski has been dropped and he's been getting like burnt on the edge for like a couple of weeks. I'm not sure what's doing there, but um, I think this is a hard one to tip. Uh, I'm I'm going to go Parramatta comeback win. Well, I might just change my tip because the great poll, uh, Paul Monroski, can't have that and uh, dropping my countrymen. So uh, no, I'll stick with the Roosters nonetheless. Kieran, what do you think? Um, yeah, Billy Smith has come in for Paul Monroski, who has been absolute. Well, I won't berate him, but he hasn't been at his best the last I don't know how long. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go the Eels. Yeah, when Poland are at their best, they are definitely good enough for the NRL. So uh, I'll look forward to Momorowski in a return to form soon. Uh, the last couple of games are on Sunday. Uh, the first one is from GIA Stadium at 2 o'clock. It is the Raiders and the Knights. Jordan Rappenau returns for the Raiders, while Kalen Ponga is touch and go because of some concussion protocols from the weekend. Uh, that will be a big loss for the Knights if he's not in. Tex Hoy would probably come in in his place. I think the Raiders, they've just been a little bit better this season. Uh, they look a bit more cohesive. They've got Jamal Fogarty, of course, one uh, you know Titans legend. Um, I think playing at home is also a big deal. So the Raiders for me. Chris, who do you like? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, he's been playing good all year, but after Whiten's um, stellar game at Origin, it'll be interesting to see. If there's any um, replication of that in the first grade, mm-hmm. I'm going to go the Raiders. I think they'll win quite easily. And Kieran? Yeah, I, uh, it's probably a good thing for Andy's not on the pod because I think Knights are definitely one of the worst teams this season after I kind of um, said that they were onto a good thing at the beginning of the season. I've got to go the Raiders. Yeah. Um, I think, Kieran, I'm sorry, Chris, you weren't part of the podcast at the start, like at the preseason, and... Uh, Friendy was the only one back in the Knights in to make the eight. The rest of us all had them pretty low and, uh, you know, a bit of humble pie for Friendy maybe if he's listening. Uh, the last game is from Cumbank Stadium is the Bulldogs and the Tigers. It's been dubbed the Cameron Seraldo Cup because they seem like the two most likely destinations for him if he wants to take a head coaching job in the near future. Uh, Curtis Moran will make his NRL debut for the Bulldogs from the bench, while Adam Duahy makes his long-awaited return for the Tigers also via the bench. Kieran, who's going to win and why? Um, I think the Dogs have their spine right at the moment. I think Burton at 5'8 is playing really well. Avarillo at the back um, is the right option for fullback. Uh, Burton has turned in some stellar performances the last month, especially his, it, well, both his long and short kicking game, actually. Um, so set up some really nice tries for Josh Edokar with the short kicking game. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the, the matchup of Chief Playmakers in Burton and Hastings. Um, I do I do lean towards the dogs, who I think are showing some great signs in attack lately. All right. Chris, do you uh, hold some hope for your Tigers? 
Uh, I want to see the Bulldogs. Uh, it's good to see. I really like Adam Dewey back. The sooner he replaces motherfucking Luke Brooks, um, <laughs> soon enough. I'm really, I'm a bit nervous about him playing. He's, he's obviously injury riddled, but you know, Adam Dewey's Adam Dewey's great. Um, you know, when he's on the park, and I think him with Hastings at a seven is the way forward. Hopefully, they can lock Hastings in. Um, with the Bulldogs, it, it comes to no surprise to me at all that they turn a bit of a. I wouldn't say that they're still, you know, not a great team, but at least their attacks going a bit. The moment uh, we start, we play them again. Um, yeah, I think the Bulldogs will win, and I think this game's this game's actually on my birthday, so it might be a bit depressing. Oh. Um, I want to go to the Bulldogs, but I think the people watching this game most closely will be NRL three hundred and sixty producers. <laughs> got to get that content don't you got to get that content all right so chris it'll be your birthday and because it's your birthday but also because i just think the titans are, sorry the tigers rather are a better team than the bulldogs i'm tipping the tigers i'm i'm just going to keep backing them in it's kind of a home game for them too sort of they they kind of like calling that part of their home ground so uh, i'm going to back them in because i'm apparently an idiot guys thanks very much for your predictions uh but let's go to some bold predictions Kieran, you can go first. What's your bold prediction? Uh, so I've got the the winning team, every winning team this uh, weekend to score an average of at least 24 points or more. Right. Okay. So we're looking at 184 points from winning teams. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, sorry. No, 192 rather. Bad maths. Bad maths. 192 points from winning teams. At, le- at least. Okay, I like it. Um, Chris, do you have a bold prediction for us this week? Yeah, I'll go a bit of a multi, game more responsibly. I'll go South 13+. plus. I think they'll beat the Dragons comfortably, and I'll go the Sharks will beat the Titans by a margin of less than eight. All right. I'm going to tip the Tigers. I'm going to tip the Tigers by 13+. plus. I think they're going to get it done. Uh, Jackson Hastings is going to have a blinder. Um, Luke Brooks will have a career-ending injury and everyone's happy out at Tiger Town. <laughs> I don't mean that, Mr. Brooks, of course. Friend of the show, Luke Brooks. Uh, guys, thanks for... Very- a legend, hopefully. <laughs> guys, thank you very much for all your thoughts. It's been a bit of a longer episode this week, but I thought it was, it was worthwhile digging into um, some origin, but also, Chris, really addressing those Tigers uh, pains that you've had. Let's do some shout-outs. I-, I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, and maybe Kieran, you can go next. Um, I, I wanted to give a shout out to the you know Chris Miles, Daniel Lang, and Rob Sebastian. I, I I went down to Sydney last week for the Origin. I I got to meet all you guys in person for the first time, and I had a really really great night. Um, and we've since been in contact uh, in a, in a little bit of a side group chat, and it's been um, loads of fun. So uh, a big shout out to all those guys, particularly Rob Sebastian. I haven't seen him forever, so uh, shout out to you, Rob. I've got a, a shout out to um, an Australian middle distance runner, uh, Ollie Hoare. He's, he's running in the Oslo Diamond League this weekend um, in the mile race. Um, yeah, go Ollie. Yeah, I've got a shout out for Daniel Friend. Um, happy birthday, mate! I think it's your birthday today. Oh, Might have been Monday or Tuesday. Happy birthday, yeah, I think it was. I think it was Monday. I'm not sure if I said happy birthday, friendy. Um, happy birthday, friendy. Hope you hope you had a good day, mate. Um, couldn't be with us tonight. Um, but yeah, happy birthday, friendy. Very, you know. Hopefully, we didn't forget. I think we might have forgotten. So happy birthday, friendy, and happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Friendy. Yeah, happy birthday to you too, Chris. 
for Sunday. Yeah, happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers tonight. Cheers, mate. Cheers. <laughs> Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.